All right, so the title of this series is called The Dimensions of Love, and, and what I want to talk about over the next few weeks is, um, is how there's not only different dimensions of love, but there's a love of God that is so powerful, it's so unbelievable, that it actually changes the course of our life. His love is not something that he possesses and only projects onto us. It's, it's like this, it's almost like wind. It moves things in our life. And uh, so I'm really excited about unpacking that thought. Here's how Paul tried to unpack it. And he did about as good a job as anyone could because it was inspired by God. These actual words were inspired by God. It reads like this in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 18. He says this, may, he actually shares what he's been praying. He says, and may you be able to feel and understand as all God's children should. How long, how wide, how deep, and how high his love really is. I want you to know how grandiose, how huge his love is. This is his prayer. And I don't want you to just know about it. I want you to experience this love for yourself. I don't want you to just hear about it. I don't want you to just hear a speaker talk about it. I don't want you to just read about it. I want you to actually experience it. It's like the wind, if you will. If somebody has never experienced wind and you go to talk to them about it and, and, and you start stumbling over your words. Okay, wind, um, sometimes it's cold, sometimes it's warm. If you're in Texas, it's always warm. But it comes from different directions and it just comes like upon you. You can't see it. It doesn't hurt. It could be very powerful, but yet it could be very refreshing. Unless you have experienced wind yourself, understanding wind is just... It's just too difficult to wrap your mind around. He's saying, I want you to experience this love that is so huge and magnificent. I want you to experience it for yourself. Though it is too great that you will never see the end of it. Or fully know how to understand it. And so at last you will be filled up. With God himself. This is, this is what he's saying in my vernacular. The, the love of God is longer than any river. It, it, is, it is wider than, than any desert. It's deeper than any ocean. And it's higher than any star. All of that love is laser focused on you on you now some of you might say no it's on us no it's on you it's on you you in particular the bible says that you are the apple of his eye you know what the apple of his eye is everybody look at me for this illustration you're looking at me at this moment i am the apple of your eye now you can see other things in your peripheral but I am the apple of your eyes. So God sees other things in his peripheral, but you are the center 
of his focus. You know, as I've been studying this topic of love, I've, I've been noticing that there's certain dimensions of love. There's a very um, uh, uh, thin level of love. Like, for instance, you and I say we love pizza. Um, I was reading a book called Dataclism, and the CEO of OkCupid, a dating website, wrote the book. And what he did is he took uh, 10 years of communications between men and women looking to go on a date. And he took all of their communication with each other, literally millions of emails back and forth through this website, took all of their emails. And he said, I wonder what word they are using the most. Is it the word love? Is it the word date? Is it the word the? Is it the word and? He took all of these emails for a whole decade. And do you know that the number one word that was used most often was pizza? <laughs> pizza. Read it yourself. It's called Dataclism. It's a mind-blowing book. So when people are like interested, hey, uh, you're single, I'm single, do you want to get together? They talk most about pizza. <laughs> Can you believe that? So we use words to describe, we use the word love to describe food, but it, a breath later, we use that same word to describe our love for our children and our mom and our dad. And we take it and we describe the word for a vacation. I love the beach and I love my dad. That word just kind of gets spread out. And so there's different dimensions. There's different degrees. There, I also learned this. That falling in love is a very shallow type of love. It's very interesting because uh, as I began to read these psychologists uh, and these sociologists talk with each other, they spoke on how falling in love is mostly a sexual-driven emotion. Um, it's mostly an excitement for um, a, a community, an excitement uh, of being with somebody. And that's what they call falling in love. And they say that's, that's very, very shallow because um, only when they fall out of love do they have a chance of actually experiencing real love. Isn't that crazy? Because when you fall out of love, now you're taking the emotion out of it. It's not just about the bedroom anymore. It's not just about the butterflies anymore. You're taking that out and now you have an opportunity to experience real love. But that's a very sensitive season because a lot of times when people are no longer feeling the emotion of falling in love and they have fallen out of love, that a lot of times they begin to migrate off to go find that set of emotion again, that sense of excitement again. But it's only when the excitement and the emotion go away can you actually experience deep love, real love. Love. Let me give you some examples. 
Have you ever heard of a mother who loves their children say, I fell in love with my daughter? No, that's weird. Have you ever heard of a parent say, I fell in love with my children? No. Have you ever heard somebody say, I fell in love with my dad? I fell in love with my mom. The only time you ever hear stuff like that is when the crowd is going, Jerry, Jerry. <laughs> pray for me, will you? Pray pray for me because that's not that's not normal it, it there's a kind of love that you don't fall into it catches you and you notice it and then it arrests you and it's very difficult to describe i'll give you a, another example there are veterans in this room that laid their life on the line for our country. In fact, I'd just like to honor you just for a moment. I know it's awkward, but we want to honor you. Would you just stand to your feet if you're a veteran or you're serving in the military right now? Would you just stand up? Absolutely. 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 Man, I, I get goosebumps every time I look at veterans standing up with each other. There, there's a bond that veterans have that we will never know what it's like they 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 meet each other and then they commit to fighting for each other on for the sake of their country because they love their country now watch this have you ever heard a veteran say i fell in love with america <laughs> you don't fall in love with america you love america you, you don't see a soldier look at another soldier say, man, I fell in love with you, man. <laughs> Bro, why don't you go save that guy over there, you know? <laughs> it's like, come on. There's a kind of love that you can't experience, that you can't, you can't verbalize. You don't fall into it. So you, you only, it catches you by surprise and then it arrests you and, and then you can't leave. There's a, there's a kind of love that is so deep that it's hard to even wrap your mind around it. Our words literally fail us when we try to experience it. God has this kind of love that he expressed to us and he, in, in, a, in, in this, this chunk of scriptures, he expresses it. Let me share it with you. It's, it's powerful. Um, it sounds uh, like this. It's in Psalms 139, verse 1. It sounds like this. Oh, Lord, you have examined my heart, and you know everything about me. He knows. He's talking to you, okay? Um, you know when I sit down or I stand up. Take this personal. He recognized the moment you sat down in the chair that you're sitting in. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I am going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and you follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. 
too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride on the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the furthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. Put your hands together for that. They, that, that's, that's a kind of love that we do not understand. And that's what Paul was saying. He goes, I'm praying for you. I am, I am praying for you that, that you, it's impossible, but I'm praying for it anyway, that you would understand how great his love is towards you. Now, some of you may say, I, I don't, you, you don't understand. I've messed up any plan that he has had for me. I've messed it up. I am so inconsistent. I'm so erratic. I'm so emotional. That's why Jeremiah 29, 11 reads the way it does. It says like this, for I know the plans. Everybody say plans. The plans I have for you. You know why he has plans because we might mess it up if he just had a plan. <laughs> if he had a plan, we might mess it up. But he just says, look, I've got plans. I'm going to take you from Houston to Los Angeles. And if you make a bad turn, I've got another way to get you there. You make another turn, I've got another way to get you there. I've got another. I've got plans. On how to get you where I'm taking you. Some of us in this room are a lot like me. You don't know what I've done. God knows where what you've done. God knows what I've done. And he's got his mind made up that in spite of what we've done, he's taken us where he's taken us. Can somebody say amen to that? He's got plans. It's a kind of love that he doesn't just possess and exude on to us. It's the kind of love that guides us and leads us and opens up doors for us and closes doors. It, and there's some of those doors that we try to kick open, right? Have you ever tried to make a relationship work? I'm going to marry this guy. I'm going to marry this guy. I'm going to marry, marry this guy. And then 20 years later, you're like, thank you, God. Thank you. God that I didn't marry that guy. Thank you. 
Thank you, God. He, he locks that door. He locks that door. How many of you ladies in the room are like, thank God you locked that door? Thank God. Some of you ladies kick the door open and you're married to him. We'll pray for you right now. Just, just kidding. That was awkward. There are so many things in life that try to steal our attention from cultivating this, this, this love with God. There's so many things in life that try to steal our attention. Um, work tries to steal our attention. Being busy tries to steal our attention. Um, I want to talk about um, uh, Oreos for a second. I know. This, this Oreos, I just want you to know, I want to go on record. In my opinion, Oreos are the best. Some of you are like, what does Oreos have to do with this? Don't worry about it. Let me worry about that. <laughs> Oreos are the best cookie ever that you can buy out of a store. Now, if you can beat an Oreo, that means you put it in an oven. All right? You put it in an oven, that's a different category. That's a completely different category. That's a delicacy at that point, okay? <laughs> We're talking about open up the package, eat it as is. This is the best cookie ever made, all right? Ever made. Does anyone agree with me on that? Anyone agree? Let's, let's talk about this because uh, I know it sounds like it's a, it's a far leap, but I want you to, to, to hear me talk about these Oreos. They have done a study at the university, I'm sorry, at Connecticut College, and it shows that Oreos are as addictive as cocaine. Some of you are not surprised at all. Let me read this. They're, they had this, this lab, and they had this maze, and they put these rats inside of this maze. According to the new study, eating the iconic black and white cookies activated more neurons in the rat's brain's pleasure center than drugs such as cocaine. The research looked at the rat's behaviors and the effects of the cookies that they had on their brains. Rats were put into a maze and given the choice of hanging out near rice cakes or Oreos. <laughs> the Tasty Sandwich won that popularity contest handily. Those results were compared to a different test where rats were given the choice of loitering in an area of the maze where they were injected with saline or in another corner where they could get a, short, a shot of cocaine or morphine. The rats in the study liked the cookies about as much as they liked the other drugs, congregating near the cookie side of the maze as much as they would on the drug side of the maze. According to Dr. Schroeder uh, from Connecticut College, these findings suggest, not just Oreos, that high-fat sugar foods and drugs of abuse trigger brain-addictive processes to the same degree and lend support to the hypothesis that maladaptive eating behaviors contributing to obesity can be compared to the drug addiction. This is, is as addictive as cocaine. I can tell you that 
as a personal experience. Because when I wake up in the middle of the night, my logic is not in the way. It's like I feel this calling. Come eat me. You know you want it. Oreos have figured out that they have put together a cocktail mix to cause us to be addicted. And what did they do? Did they step back with integrity and go, no, that's not right. That's not right. No, 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 no. They decided, let's, let's, let's arrest them. And so they come up with a plethora. We've got golden Oreos. Now, I'm not trying to get drugs in your home, but does anybody want these? Uh, yeah. I need you guys to sign a waiver real quick, all right? Uh, hands are going up, and I haven't even said what's in it. Oreo, Oreo. Oreo Thin Mint. Oreo Thin Mint. Oreo Thin Mint. Go give that to somebody. Go give that to somebody. Isaiah and Omar, come help me here. Oreo peanut butter. Oreo peanut butter. Oreo thins. Oreo thins. Golden Oreo mega stuff. Lemon Oreo. My goodness. Lemon Oreo. Here you go. Lemon Oreo. Oh, I love this. Look at this. Brownie batter Oreo. The original double stuff. Come on. We're just passing out drugs here. That's all we're doing. Look at this. Birthday cake. Birthday cake Oreo. I love this. Fudge cream Oreo. Are you serious? Now, this one's just punching below the belt, in my opinion. Pumpkin spice. It's just not right. It's not right. It's not right. I, I'm just saying that the, these guys, I, I just imagine them in this factory stirring this stuff up with like a, a you know. Stirring it up to addict us. And, and I'll tell you what, I, the, the reason why I had so much fun with that story is, uh, is Oreos has my number. Oreos has my number. And so I've asked Allie, I said, Allie, please do not bring it in the house. Just don't bring it in the house. She goes, why? They're great. I said, you eat two. The kids eat three. I eat them all. I, does anyone here, you can polish off a whole row by yourself. <laughs> Come on, be honest, you're in church. <laughs> Polish up a whole row, just a whole row. When I go to sleep, I've got like cookie in there. Actually, they're, they're crumbles of onyx. <laughs> Some of you will get that on the way home. But there's, there's a type of love that, uh, that is so great that I fear we were made to crave him. We were, there's a book out there called Made to Crave. I highly recommend it. We were made to entertain him. But you got this food that, that just drags us. And some, for some of us, it's not food. For some of us, it's work. You're supposed to work 40 hours. You got 144 hours clocked in. Uh, for other people, it's, it's, a, it's a righteous 
addiction, like working out, just sounds so good to be addicted to working out. It's a righteous addiction. There's things that just arrest us. But the thing about God's love is it's a lot like a kaleidoscope. When you look through it and you begin to turn it, once you think you've seen it all, you haven't seen it all. It just gets more beautiful. It gets more incredible. Once you think you've seen it all, it just gets better and it gets better and it gets better and it gets better and it gets better. That's why I say sometimes, hey, if you can't pray an hour a day, first of all, relook at your schedule. But second of all, don't let an hour go by without praying. Just say a sentence. Just say something in your mind. Say something in your heart. Begin to explore the kaleidoscope of God's love. You see, there's a guy named Daniel in the Bible. He was a young man, and he was a very disciplined guy. He studied, he studied the word of God. He prayed and he studied textbooks. He was like a, he was into science. He studied science. He was consumed with science. He was preparing himself for a bright, brilliant career. All of a sudden the Egyptians came in and they took him and they made him their slave. It would be very easy for him to sit around saying, I, I prepared for more than this. I planned for more than this. My life was supposed to be better than this. And so when we have those seasons where we say, no fair, no fair. I, I studied, I prepped. What's happening in my life that's not fair. It, it came to me and it took me hostage. It's not fair. We got two options. Number one, we can just back up and get mad. Or we can do what Daniel said and said, you know, even though I'm completely confused, even though I don't know what's around the corner, I'm not going to let myself get addicted to anything else except for you. And so he decided to increase the intensity. And so he started praying an hour in the morning, an hour in the afternoon, an hour in the evening. An hour in the morning, an hour in the afternoon, an hour in the evening. Some of us in this room may say, man, that's kind of extreme. You know what Daniel would say? It might be extreme to you, but you're not the one stuck. You're not the one stuck. I'm tired of being stuck. I'm tired of this season. And if I'm going to be in this season, then I'm going to experience the love of God. If I'm going to be in this season, I want to see the dimensions of his love because it doesn't matter where I am or what's happening to me. It only matters what's happening in me. It only happens what's happening in me. You know what's so interesting is that as he began to pursue God, God's love for him began to move things around. It began to shift things. And the next thing you know, if you read a few chapters later, this person who was a prisoner, who was in slavery, ended up becoming the ruler of the entire nation. God just moved things around. See, something happens when we choose to be addicted and arrested and committed to God. Something happens when we say, I... I I want to know about it. Something happens. I can remember when we were in the Woodlands High School, our church was five years old. I remember people used to tell Allie and I, you know what, uh, you guys are going to be in this school a long time. 
I hope all the church volunteers, I, I hope they're comfortable because you guys are going to be setting up and breaking down and coming to have church in the, in the auditorium for a long time. Because, and this is what they used to say, the woodlands is built out. There's no more land. All the land that were zoned for churches, you're not going to get any more of it. See, George Mitchell, for those of you that are kind of new to this area, or maybe you drive in, um, George Mitchell designed the woodlands. And when he designed the woodlands, his vision was that he was going to put a church next to a school. And that would foster community. People would get to know each other. And so he'd take a five-acre plot of land and say, this is going to be for a church, and then he'd put it right next to a school. And so that was why a lot of you that have kids in elementary school, every time you go to an elementary school, you look around the corner, there's a church. That's not by accident. That was the vision of George Mitchell. And he backed up and said, but I'm only going to give five acres per church. Five acres per church, and that's it. So any church in this area that has more than five acres... If you unroll the map, you'll notice that they are on the outskirts of the woodlands. And they're half in another city, half in the woodlands. Um, Because that was the vision of George Mitchell. And so people would tell Allie and I, hey, I hope your church really likes being in the Woodlands High School because there's no other plots of land that George Mitchell assigned. So I hope you get comfortable. Allie and I, we don't have the answers to those questions. And people would ask in the lobby, um, hey, before we join this church, we want to know, are you going to be here forever? Um, And (laughs) you remember those days. And Allie and I would say the same thing. You know, we're just praying and we're loving people. We don't really know what's going to happen after that. We love people. We're praying. We love people. We're praying. In the words that I'm using today, I can't really, I'm just trying to just concentrate on the love of God, to be honest with you. I'm just trying to concentrate on the love of God. Next thing you know, the church that was here, they outgrew the facility and they call us up and they say, hey, do you guys want to buy the place? Well, how much is it? It's $4.2 million. (laughs) And I remember saying over the phone to the real estate agent, "Um, we're in a high school because we we can't afford a building. We can handle the point two. Our business team said, Frankie, why don't you go love people and pray a little bit? And, uh, they proposed that we lease to own. And they said, look, if you just let us get in the building, we really wanted the building because there's no other buildings in the city. Uh, if you let us lease it, we'll buy it within two years, within 24 months. Well, we moved in and our church grew so fast that we bought it within 14 months. Isn't that cool? It's awesome. You know, all those people were like, hey, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? It's just kind of like Daniel's story. Oh, you're a slave. You're a slave. All that studying science and all that being faithful. Where'd that get you? I don't know. I don't know. I'm just going to keep on focusing on God. He ends up ruling the whole place. Look at Celebration Church. We're in the high school. I, I know we're in the high school, but we got awesome people. Some of the friendliest people in all the state of Texas. We love God. We're just going to keep on praying and, and just we'll see what God does. Uh, and in our personal lives, and Allie's personal life, and my personal life, our personal life, um, you know, like her dad has stage four cancer. It's the same thing. You got a challenge. Well, what are you going to do about it, Allie? I, I don't know what to do about it. I mean, I can just focus on God's love, and that's all I really can do about it. 
A lot of people said, don't move into that building, Frankie. Whatever you do, don't move into that building. Don't move into that building. It's landlocked. It's landlocked. It's, you got five acres and that's it. You're landlocked. You're landlocked. You're stuck. Don't buy the building. And the business team was like, no, this feels good. I don't have all the answers. My goodness, I just love God and love people and just try to peel back more layers of love because it's so awesome. And um, at the beginning of this year, we all made a commitment to each other. If you were here for that in December and, and January, we said, look, let's just pray like we've never prayed before. And let's just watch everything else fall into place, fall into place in your personal life, fall into place corporately. And, and here's the thing. Maybe God has things for us that we're not even praying for. Maybe God has blessings for us that we haven't even asked for. Let's just stay focused on him and see. Just let's just see what happens. Well, recently something happened to Celebration Church that we weren't even asking for. We're just loving you guys. You guys have been loving us. We've been worshiping God, pursuing God, praying. And all of a sudden, something happened that um, it's pretty cool. Uh, why don't you guys take a look at this video and let me share it with you. Hi, Celebration Church. Are you ready for that big news, that exciting news? Well, I'm going to get to that in just a second. First, I want to talk about this campus. I love beautiful days like this, and I love to be able to walk through our campus because it makes me so thankful. It makes me so grateful for what God has done right here. Our home is nestled right in the heart of the Woodlands, Texas, and we made this place our home five years ago when we purchased it from Crossroads Baptist. Crossroads grew to over 2,000 members in this campus. It's a perfect incubator for ministry and families. But because Crossroads was landlocked, they couldn't stay here. They had to go find land and build a new building. Well, the news I wanna share with you today just opened up a door of opportunity that means there's no limit to how celebration can grow, where we can see God move on the campus that we love. You've probably felt this in the sanctuary, but let me go ahead and confirm it for you. Celebration's growth curve is on a very sharp increase. A door of opportunity just opened for Celebration Church. Here's that exciting news you've been waiting for. On Friday, September 24th, Celebration purchased two acres adjacent to our existing campus. This amazing increase raises the ceiling on our capacity for growth without leaving the location we've come to love. This new acreage could mean more parking or maybe a new building perhaps even a larger sanctuary or a children's youth center. The possibilities are endless. Starting in the fall of 2016 or sooner, the existing building will be leased to Vista Academy of the Woodlands, where their projected enrollment will jump from 340 to 410 students. The Celebration Education Building will have basketball court, a volleyball court for youth and young adults, amazing play structures for little ones, meeting space, parking, and much more. Celebration Church, seven acres in the heart of the woodlands doesn't just happen, it's provided. We know God is in this expansion, 
And we are able to do this because of your faithful giving every Sunday and every Wednesday. A bigger footprint means a further reach, and we can be a greater source of strength right here in our hometown and around the world. I can't wait to see what God has in store for us, and I'm so glad that we are on this journey together. Let's see what God will do. Isn't that cool? That is so cool. So let me just tell you a little bit about the property. We've already bought the property. And today at 1 o'clock, which is in like 17 minutes, um, we're all going to migrate over there. We're going to open up the doors. And you guys can just kind of tour the property. Uh, It used to be a daycare. um, And so there's 7,500 square feet on the two-acre plot that we just bolted on to already existing acreage. Um, It's right through those trees and the township um, said that we could knock down those trees and connect our parking lot so you'll be seeing that happen real soon that's very cool and um, uh, now if you're from outside of the area you know that anytime the township says you can take down a tree (laughs) we're about to turn water into wine around here okay um but uh, just so you know, that, that facility has been vacant for about five years, okay? So when you go walking around in there and you see tiles hanging with a, by a shoestring and toilets that need to be thrown out, we, we know contractors are coming in the next few weeks to renovate that entire facility. And I don't know if you heard it, um, those of you who clapped, you don't know how big my smile was when you started clapping. Um, but if you missed it through the clapping, um, that uh, we don't know what we're going to do with that property in the long term. It could be a parking lot. It could be a bigger sanctuary. Um, It could be a youth facility. It could be a children's facility. Um, In the short term, starting in August, uh, we're going to give Vista Academy of the Woodlands, which has the exemplary A-rated education from the state of Texas, we're going to give them the opportunity to put more students in there. So we already have 340 students. Now we'll have about 450 students. But uh, in the short term, uh, we see a basketball court out there so we can have youth nights, singles nights, couples nights, family nights, a volleyball court out there. Uh, We're real excited. The bottom line is, is now we have options. Now we have options. Now we have options. 